Okay. We are recording. Hello, 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 or should I say ho, 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 and welcome <laughs> to episode 94 of Cutscene Convo. We've got a monster episode this week. We've got a character profile on The Watcher. We are, will, of course, be discussing the Insomniac leak. Um, we've got What If Season 2 starting today as you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. So we'll be looking at that. We've got Percy Jackson episodes 1 and 2 to get through. A massive nerd news network. And, of course, our second Christmas content championship, which is The Grinch versus Love Actually. But for all that good stuff, Horizontal, how have you been? I am doing marvellous. Um, I'm actually more in Christmas mode now than I was last week. Yeah. Last week You're I was like, up now. yeah, I'd done no Christmas shopping last week. I'd only recently had the tree up. Like, it just was like last minute as always. But in the space of like the last two or three days, all Christmas shopping done. Just got to collect Love one that. thing tomorrow. Uh, and then I've just got to wrap everything. But that can wait. Sometimes I'll leave that till Christmas Eve, so. <laughs> I feel like depending on how much wrapping you have to do, that's completely acceptable. You've been like, no, I will get in the festive spirit, I'll do my wrapping on Christmas Eve, and then it's yeah. all ready to go. I mean, I'll probably end up doing it on Saturday, just because f- some family start to arrive Saturday, and then it'll just get busy. But uh, yeah, other than that, pretty good week. Just been... Yeah, getting Christmas mode. How, how's your week been? Not too bad. Um, I'm finished work until the new year now, which is nice. class. Um, other than that, it's not been not been too much. Just been been getting a lot of stuff kind of ready. Lots of like thumbnails mm. and editing videos and working out what I'm doing when and making sure it's all going to line up right. Just chaos as always you know just christmas season is always chaos it is um yeah i'm done for the year now which is very very good um so i'm just get i get to chill nice. um so yeah looking forward to it um but we have a bit of an issue you see because last year we were proper festive we were and we did we did santa mm-hmm. character profiles for both marvel and dc we did and we did both jesus profiles for marvel and dc they all did incredibly well, but that mm-hmm. meant there was no festive creatures left. You mean to say Rudolph isn't in Marvel or DC? I don't think I could get an entire character profile. That <laughs> um, but fortunately, for one of the few times this year, Marvel have blessed us. And they've given us What, what If Season 2. They have. Which means I get to a character profile on The Watcher. Mm-hmm. So, let's get right into it. Let's. The Watcher, aka Uantu, first appeared in Fantastic Four number 13, January 1936. Uantu is known as The Watcher, but he's in fact one of many Watchers whom are a race mm-hmm. of advanced cosmic beings whose entire purpose is to watch as the universe plays out but they must never interfere. However, Uantu has been notorious for being flexible around the entire never interfering. This is largely due to his love of Earth and its mighty stories of good versus evil. 
billions of years before the modern day world at the center of the Marvel stories, the highly advanced watchers decided it was their responsibility to help less advanced races progress. However, their first attempt on Priscillicus ended in disaster as they used these advancements to develop weapons of mass destruction which ended in a genocidal war, leaving the entire planet dead. Scared and scarred by these events, they vowed never to interfere again, which is when they dropped this code of ethics of watching silently from afar and never interfering. However, Uantu always thought that their motives were pure, therefore they shouldn't just give up on it, they should just try and improve find a better way of helping after many years of peacefully being the watcher of earth uantu intervened and informed the fantastic four of the dangerous molecule man he would then go on to intervene again when he noticed that kang the conqueror had traveled back in time and was potentially going to cause problems so he sent the Thing and the Human Torch back in time to fight Kang and preserve history. Then, when Mr. and Mrs. Fantastic were getting married and villains arrived to attempt to ruin their wedding, he intervened once again, helping Reed run out the villains who were trying to ruin his wedding. Um, and then, once again, he forewarned the Fantastic Four of the danger of Galactus and his herald, the Silver Surfer. Um, after years of these kind of interventions that he was supposed to avoid, hmm. he was finally sanctioned for his actions by his people after, instead of just giving a little heads up, and he kind of developed like a little workaround where he just kind of appeared and said something and trusted the smart people to work it out. Mm -hmm. He actually physically intervened and stopped someone from getting somewhere. Or leaving with someone kind of thing. At which point he was like so actively interfering he couldn't hide it. Mm -hmm. um, so his own people put him on trial for it. Gotcha. Um, he explained his actions. He claimed he didn't regret them. And that having watched these people he couldn't help but intervene. But he said he would do nothing in the future. And was released on this condition as they believed his word to be true. However, poor following of the rules is clearly a familial issue, as his nephew would also go rogue as a watcher, oh. but not to help, but instead to try and manipulate slash control people. This led to multiple large-scale battles between the likes of the Fantastic Four and the Inhumans. And it also led to Doctor Doom being temporarily imbued with the power of a Watcher. Oh. Um, however, the ensuing chaos of this and what Uantu did to resolve it led to him being temporarily exiled as a Watcher. Uantu did continue to watch over Earth in this period of time, but he has since been reinstated but continues to bend the rules as and when he sees fit. And in more modern times, this seems to be less of an issue due to his excellent track record. Um, it's an interesting one because 
Mm-hmm. When you think of a Wanta, you do think more like multiversal level because he does. Like, obviously, we see, we know him most notably in modern media from like What If and that, which is a big part of his character. And like the What If comics literally start the same way. It's like, yeah. what if we pondered the question, what if? Um, and there is actually like a canon reason for this. He looked through these portals to try and find an alternate world where his people were successful when they intervened on that first planet mm-hmm. and it didn't go badly because he's trying to find that place to work out what they did differently to hopefully try and convince them that they can help people. Uh, and then because he's... Uantu is supposed to be in a weird way the reader. Right. He's yeah. supposed to he's supposed to be this voice of like, there's nothing you can do. Yes, you care. Yes, you want to sit there and scream at your favorite character to do the right thing, but you can't do anything. Yeah. Um, and it is it's it's it is that exact reason, and that's the reason he also intervenes because it's not because he's almost human, so he feels like he has to. It's it would be like if you gave the biggest fan of their favorite show mm. the ability to change parts of the script they would yeah they absolutely would and it's the exact same thing um he's a very very interesting character um i'm not a hundred percent fond of the way he was portrayed in what if season one but they had plot reasons to try and get him even more involved than he should normally be so yeah they lent into him um being involved a bit more than yeah um but other than that it was very very cool and of course he did have a cameo in um guardians 2 mm-hmm. with uh stan lee sitting on the rock yeah so yeah uh that is uantu or the watcher as he is known to us um very interesting now now i debated for a very long time how we were going to cover this okay because the Insomniac leak has been obviously a massive leak. Yeah. A heartbreaking leak, I'm sure, for the people who've worked so hard and so tirelessly on this information and all of these projects, etc. Yeah. But there's also been a lot of discussion about how ethical it is to discuss it. Yeah. Because the gaming industry's never really experienced anything this big, and it's not like so big that many mainstream outlets are going to grab it to talk about it which means it kind of falls on gaming journalists to cover it yeah so the question is is this what gaming journalism should be yeah should um, they be covering yeah, this information or, should, or not or should they just pretend it's not happened to not give it any more publicity the issue that i've uh, rationalized myself is um it, the information is out there Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're not going to use any of that information. We're not going to actively publicize the information, i.e. take what was <clears throat> stolen and redistribute it. We will discuss what we've seen. Mm-hmm. But to pretend it's not happened would be insane. Um, And I don't think talking about it is going to make it more likely to happen again because the people who did it were purely out for money the entire time. And when money is involved, people are always going to do things again and again. Yeah. I think it's... There's a lot to it that I think a lot of people don't realise. Like you say, there was... This wasn't just a... Some guy pulled it off. 
the Sony servers and then put out yeah. there. It was ransomware. Sony was like, yeah, we're not playing your games, so we ain't paying. So then they leaked it. But it's like, I think the issue, I get like why people think big media things like IGN and stuff shouldn't talk about it because you're shedding light on this information. But it's more just the way they're talking about it. Like they should lean it, like they should be clear that this was ransomed out of Sony. Yeah. Like be explained to like, make such a big deal about how it was acquired. Yes. Less about, oh my God, we're getting this game. It's yeah, confirmed. It's, it shouldn't be done as a hype thing. It should be done as yeah. a, this is terrible. This is what they took. So um, that is the approach we're going to take. We're going to talk about what they took, talk about the negative side of what they've done here. So it is the understanding based on the reports I've read that the ransomware got in, it took whatever it took, and they were told you have seven days to pay us the equivalent of two million dollars in bitcoin which i think is like 50 bitcoin or 500 bitcoin um and if you don't we're gonna leak it um sony didn't pay um and they leaked it as they said they would um and there's some massive pieces of information here which are probably i mean i haven't looked i'm sure it hasn't helped sony's stock price um, no. So the, what it boils down to is we know their roadmap until 2030, mm. which is, I'm sure, very, very damaging. Um, And it also contains some information surrounding a project that never really got off the ground. It was kind of pitched and had got to like an early concept art stage, but never really got any further. Um, so what we'll do is we'll talk through that so mm-hmm. bearing in mind none of these dates are set in stone this is all internal documents that were never supposed to see the light of day and were stolen mm-hmm. um, so all of these dates are obviously completely subjective to change but um, in 2025 we were supposed to be getting a another Spider-Man Miles Morales sized game yep. um, centred around Venom following on from Spider-Man 2 um, then in 2026, we're supposed to be getting the Wolverine game that was teased back in 2021. Yeah, wild that it's taken five yeah. years since the first tease. But... Um, then in 2027, no, 2027 was an empty year. 2028, we were supposed to get Spider-Man 3. Mm-hmm. Then in 2029, it was going to be a Ratchet and Clank game. And then in 2030, which was, I think, the biggest bombshell, um, an X-Men game. Mm. Um, So that was, I think that was the first bit of information that really went nuclear after the leak was, this is the entire roadmap that's leaked. Um, And it's just spiraled and I think got worse since then, if we're being honest. Um, There was... Out early alpha footage of Wolverine going around. Apparently, there is now a bootable version of Wolverine oh, doing the rounds. Yeah, apparently, there's now a bootable version. I obviously would not in touch that. That's a crazy. B probably technically illegal, 
and also when you're downloading something like that off the internet, that is such an easy way to get ransomware yourself. Yep. So, oh, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not going to pretend I'm hovier than now and tell the, all of you that you shouldn't do it for purely moral reasons, but I'm going to tell you you shouldn't do it for safety reasons. Leave that thing alone. I would not trust any of that download at all. I mean, you're also just going to ruin the experience of the game because, like, that is going to be a severely... Uh, it's not going to be, like, any yeah, crazy like playable state. Yeah, like, this is a in-build state. Like, games... It'll be a state where they're testing a certain thing they've implemented. It won't be in, like, a... Really a playable state. So... Anyone that's downloading that, you're just asking to to screw your computer up. Yeah, hundred um, percent. But the the big issue that I'm sure what um, Sony and Insomniac worried about mm-hmm. is if there is any systems that they've come up with which they think are groundbreaking that are included in that demo. Because here's here's the thing: you yeah. can't copyright code. Like that's that's one of the really weird legal things. You can't copyright code directly, which is why when a game's fully compiled, you get the compiled version of the game. Yeah. Um. So now that you've got that bootable version, which will have the code hidden there, you're gonna get these like like you see like scams of games where it's like a game that's just reskinned and sold on a mobile mm-hmm. app. You're gonna get companies that try and reverse engineer this get the stuff out mm-hmm. and they go try and beat them to market using similar systems which means if they've got a system that they think is groundbreaking i'm not saying saying there is one but if they think they've got a system that's groundbreaking this could really really hurt their ability to sell the game yeah i mean there's also potentially not necessarily with the wolverine thing like if there's any other stuff that suddenly starts cropping up that these people have waited to like release for future things whether it's information i don't know like it could the whether this is true or not but like there could be something where oh the x-men game for 2029 like in its notes has been made for the playstation 6 or something and it's like that information getting out is damaging to Sony as well. Yeah. Um, Sony definitely needs looking at because this is like how many times now have they had leaks or cyber attacks or data stolen? Uh, Yeah. You'd think they'd learn, but I I guess the problem is just like the size of them. They're always going to be a target. It's one of them things of if you're targeted, a hundred times more than anyone else, and you have ninety nine percent coverage, and then someone who gets targeted once has eighty percent coverage. You're gonna get hit more than they do, but you have better protections than them. It's it's a tricky one. Cybersecurity is well, yeah, it's not easy. A pain in the ass. <laughs> um, the the really interesting bit to me though was the um the the document about the nature of their deal licensing X-Men from Marvel. Yeah, I didn't see that. So, this was, I think, 
what could potentially actually be like financially the most oh. damaging for Sony. Um, because it was basically it looked like a slideshow. Um, but I don't know if that's just like the way the hackers put the information together. I don't know. Possibly. Um, but basically it broke down the deals surrounding the licensing of the X-Men properties with Marvel. And if the first Wolverine game doesn't sell six million units inside a year, either party can pull out. And so the yeah, would... exit clauses. Yes, but the exit clause if Disney pull out is quite severe for Sony. Well, including like bearing in mind this deal as it currently exists according to that documentation runs until twenty thirty five. So this deal has got another 12 years on it, as it stands, in which time Marvel cannot license off X-Men as its own okay. game. They can license yeah. off X-Men characters to appear in other games, but they can't be a titular character. Yeah. Um, unless Sony don't sell 6 million units, in which case Disney get to leave the deal. Mm. They also, if they undersell and Disney aren't happy and pull out, they get a higher percentage of any going on sales to like recoup lost cost. Yeah. Um, and then they get to go and resell the licensing rights elsewhere. Um, there's also percentages about how much each party gets based on the way the unit is sold. Oh, okay. So, like, for instance, in like the Spider Man PlayStation, there will of course be one for the X Men games. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure on the document it said like seventy percent of that of that package goes to Marvel, That's which right. means a six hundred dollar bundle. Yeah. Marvel's getting seventy percent of that, whereas just selling the actual digital version of the game, Marvel only get like twenty seven percent of that, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean. For physical stuff like the plays and stuff, it makes a bit more sense because obviously it's more than oh, yeah. just the game that they're licensing. Yeah, you, the, that, they're but... buying your console because of our mm. property, therefore you owe us more money. It's not um, like the exit clauses stuff doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it's one of the things though, like you never want the consumer to know because here's the thing if it sells five million units in the first nine months, mm. yeah. Before everyone's going, yeah, it's done okay. Now that this information is public, the articles shift tone and become, oh, if they don't sell enough, do we Marvel get the X Men out? Yeah, the X Men game, and and that'll be the thing. If it has a slow start and like medium reviews, the articles aren't going to be, oh, X Men game has been like a bit of a mm. mixed bag. It becomes, oh. Is this going to spell the end for Sony? Are they going to lose out on a multi-billion dollar deal or yeah, whatever true. with Disney? Well, and that's the problem. Everyone knows these clauses exist. They're common business practice. But when the people writing the articles aren't aware of the details of them, they don't think about them. They don't talk about them. Whereas once that information's out there, of course they're going to think about it. Of course they're going to frame their articles around it. I I wonder even now with all this information that's leaked, whether Marvel has, if they wanted to, I don't think they would, because they're used to stuff leaking, but like, I wonder if they would even have a foot now to be like, mm, the deal's off. Yeah, potentially, depending on 
what's gone wrong here. But the leak is also a lot worse than this. This is coming from a purely business and gaming perspective, yeah. in which case no one's hurt directly. But it gets worse because there was also leaks of employee records. Well, yeah, all that. Yeah. Employees have been doxxed because of what was included in this file. And like you said, we don't know if they've released everything they got or if they've gone, you've got seven days to pay two million. They've leaked, as a for instance, I know nothing about the actual numbers, say 10% of what they took. And now they've gone back to them and gone, you've now got another seven days and now it's $3 million. Yeah, Otherwise, we'll leak what, what else we've got. There's a chance that they go, well, look, this is what happened when we leaked the roadmap. Do you want this stuff getting leaked as well? Yeah. Try and push them that way. Which I don't think would work. I think Sony would has probably got a pretty standard policy on this stuff. Yeah. But um Yeah, it's just it doesn't it's not good on Sony. Because although like we said, yes, they're a big company, they're gonna be targeted a lot for this stuff. Yeah. You don't see the same thing happen to the likes of like Sony or I don't know, another big company not Sony, uh, Microsoft, but like Yeah. There's been a few times Sony's been in the yeah. news a lot for like oh data leaks. Yeah, there was a massive PSM one what in 2014, 2015. Yeah, so it's it's gonna damage whether this Marvel deal sticks around, but like it could potentially damage future partnerships with brands and stuff and IPs. That was a big concern for a long time that when Fortnite were trying to get um crossplay fully up and mm. running, was Microsoft were like how are you doing it? Because we do not want Sony to have any accidental backdoor into our servers because they're not secure. Yeah. Like that 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 was like that was leaked as being one of Microsoft's big reason for slowing down crossplay because they were like, we don't want any entanglement yeah. because we don't want someone to use Sony to get into Microsoft. Um, which was a fair complaint because at the time it was even closer to the massive PSN scandal. Yeah. Um, and then the other, um, blah, 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 big bit of information mm. from the leaked documents was an internal communication within Sony talking about their fear surrounding Game Pass. Ah. Which, um, again, doesn't actually make a lot of difference, but it does um, mean that the Sony fanboys have a little bit less footing when it comes to the uh, idiots who are still fighting the console wars. Yeah, and then there was also some... I think I saw something as well that were worried about now the... I think it's the, now the Activision deal's gone through. Yes. They do worry that they've lost... They're losing the, the fight, so to speak. Yes. Um, well, here's the thing. Because of um, the licensing around Spider-Man, and we, we mentioned this before, mm -hmm. I'm not 1,000% convinced that it would be illegal for the old Spider-Man games like the ones that came out along films mm. and Web of Shadows and stuff like that, to now go on Game Pass. Don't oh, quote on that. I don't know enough about the ins and outs, but I'm pretty sure at the time them games were made by Activision. 
yeah, Sony we, didn't own the I gaming think we said rights. Last time. It kind of depends so, what clauses yeah. were in there for long term. But yeah, the, like say, if if the um if the X Men game doesn't do that well now, or sorry, the Wolverine game doesn't do that well mm. now potentially, as as long with any potential risk of leaks and information, maybe other people with them big IPs that they were thinking of working alongside Sony go, hey Microsoft, would you be interested? Hey Nintendo, hey Sega, hey fucking just random Sega. indie studio that can make it for their whatever consoles they want to make it for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's um, it's a wild one, and I think the only other thing I've really got to say on it is the idiots who were watching the pre-alpha footage of Wolverine and trying to claim it is a bad or a good game based on that oh, need to give their head a wobble. Just... It's a pre-alpha game. If if you if you think you know enough to look at pre-alpha footage and decide whether it's a good or a bad game, I promise you, you don't. Yeah, no, they don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that would be like looking at like the hand-drawn storyboards that like James Gunn and that do for a <laughs> film and deciding if the film's going to be good or not. It's like the new Skate game that's finally coming out. They've been yeah. doing a lot of dev blogs and showing it from early stages where it was literally bog-standard guy and it's like on blocks and people yeah. are like, game looks trash and it's like mate it's in build stage like what do you want it's not going to be like it's not going to be 4k textures and whatnot on a build stage like people are like basing like super early gameplay like fun just building fundamental blocks of the game and they're like oh it's good bad game it's like no you have no idea how many more iterations it's going to go through exactly it it is crazy um but yeah so that was that was an interesting one and like we said there is a chance that it does get worse further still yeah depending on what may or may not happen um now should we get into what if yes starts today as you're listening to this yes the 22nd of december is episode one Mm -hmm. and we get one episode a day over the christmas period um so i've got the episodes written down here if we'd like to go through them these are the order coming out and so, episode one is Neb. What if Nebula joined the Nova Call? Mm-hmm. Then we have What if Peter Quill attacked Earth's mightiest heroes, which is the one we saw a lot in the teaser trailer. Right. Um, then, episode three is What if Happy Ogan saved Christmas? Which is the Christmas uh, that- Eve episode. Yeah, that's the Christmas Eve episode. Um, then we have the episode that was cut from season one. What if um, Iron Man crashed into the Grand Master? So that would be the episode set on Skara. So, yeah. Um Then we've got what if Captain Carter fought the Hydra Stomper? Mm-hmm. What if Kaori reshaped the world? So I had a little Google. Okay. Kaori is a Native American woman. Who found the Tesseract? Oh, so we'll have a rough idea what might be happening. Yeah. What if Hella found the Ten Rings? Which it better have anime-style fight scene in that one. Hopefully. What if the Avengers assembled in 1602? That'll be interesting. That will be interesting. And then, what if Strange? 
Supreme intervened. I have no clue what that is. That seems like the kind of thing that's going to uh, make sense once you've watched some of the other episodes. Yeah, someone tells me that's going to be like last time where the last one yeah. kind of linked them all. So it'd be like, why if he intervened in all them? But it could not. Um, it could be something else. Yeah. What is really interesting to me at this point, purely because we enjoyed the first season. We did. And it was fun. It was low stakes. It was, here's an animated thing. Have fun. Mm-hmm. But people seem to have like a really visceral reaction to it. Yeah, I don't and they and, and the the same thing's really happening with season two, and like we said last week or whenever it was, yes, it would be nice if they kind of went for a, um, they took a concept and they did a season of that concept. Hmm. But this is what they've decided to do: watch it and like it, or don't watch it, but don't watch every episode and then just complain every week. Yeah, I mean, like, I've already seen people being like, oh, only the last three sound interesting. It's like, okay, one, you're basing it off just a title. Yeah. And then two, it's like, okay, cool. Like, if the last three are the only ones you enjoy, that's fine. Like, People have been sat here all year <laughs> complaining there's too much superhero content coming out. So if this doesn't interest you, it's not playing into anything bigger. Yeah, just, just skip don't... it. Go sweet. I don't. I don't have to do homework as some people are acting like it's going to be. Yeah, and like not every episode needs to be this like crazy amazing episode. There was like it's... look at visions for Star Wars. Like yeah. some of them were good, some of them were like, eh, yeah, okay. Yeah. That it's just going to be twenty minute episodes of a, a concept. You don't even have to watch all of them. If if there's only some of them that sound interesting to you, just watch them ones. Yeah. And I mean... It's, it is the ultimate, if you don't want to watch it, don't watch it show. Yeah. I Going off the trailer, I'm pretty sure the Happy Hogan Saves Christmas has a scene of him crawling through a vent like Die Hard. <laughs> oh my God, is it a Die Hard episode? I don't know. But like, uh, oh, even if it's just awesome. him crawling through an air vent, it's like a reference to it. I'm oh, all for. What if it's like, like, what if it's like a Die Hard episode? Oh my god! Do you know what it's going to be? It's going to be like a um Die a Hard style episode during Age of Ultron. <laughs> it's like Abby Hogan's trying to keep all the Christmas plans running while everything's yeah. going to shit. Oh no! That I I think that'd be quite a fun episode, especially for a Christmas Eve episode. Yeah, I mean they're gonna like like you said. They're short, they're fun. If you don't like an episode, okay, cool. Just wait for the next week, see if you like it. If not, it's not that deep. Yeah, 100%. You would think it would be sinful, but... You would. Um, Marvel fans, man. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to get up tomorrow, I'm going to watch the first episode. It'll be fun. Like, I, I, I always enjoy this stuff. Like, if we didn't enjoy this stuff, we wouldn't be on episode 94. Exactly. Um, speaking of stuff to enjoy, mm. Percy Jackson. Yeah. So, I never read these books. Same. I did watch the films that came out in the mid-2000s, which I know everyone said are not very faithful to the books, and Rick Royden wasn't happy with some of the decisions they made, but I liked the vibe of them, and I was like, this is fun. It fit the time very much. Um, as I was like watching the first one, I was kind of like, I could see this being the new generation's like Harry Potter. I get it. I, mm-hmm. I see the, yeah, I see, I see the for. image. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then they announced that they were doing a TV show and Rick Royden was going to help them and he was actually going to be a part of the entire process this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, oh, okay. So I was like, let's, let's see what the Percy Jackson fandom is saying. And they were all like, oh, we're going to cook. It's time. I'm like, okay, they seem excited. Let's uh, yeah, let's see um... how they do. Let, let's see where it goes. Then they announced that they were casting actual children to play the children, not 19-year-olds pretending <laughs> to be 14. I was like, okay, we we might we might have something here. Um, yeah. So we decided to watch episode one and two. We did, and so far I'm thoroughly impressed. Same, I thought it was really it, enjoyable. It was really good. The um the acting is really tight. Yeah. The story is obviously I watched the first film, The Lightning Thief, which is what season one's going to be based on. So like it didn't feel completely alien to me because I know the overall story, but I've there's already been some parts that I don't either don't remember from The Lightning Thief or weren't in the film, and were cut from the book, like right. were cut from the book to make the film. Yeah, like the whole like Clarissa arc, um, in episode two. I don't remember that in the film. I wouldn't surprise me if it got cut. Um, so I don't think that happened before um and i really enjoyed it it's yeah, it's no. i thought it was I, really enjoyable yeah like the cg on the minotaur was pretty okay it wasn't it wasn't horrific but it was okay there was only a couple of times that was my oh like all the other cg looked good looked very well polished the horse I think there's a couple of times where I'm like, mm, that's a digital double. That's like a full digital thing. They haven't just comped him on. But then I think a little bit of that is Uncanny Valley. Yeah. Because the to me, the proportions feel weird. But I think that's because of Uncanny Valley. But like they're, they're very clever. You can tell when they've used an actual horse. Yeah. On tight shots on Percy. And it's just showing the back. The it was like that's clearly a real horse walking alongside him. Uh, and oh, then they okay. were just. I think you slightly misheard what I said. I well, think you heard senator, and I said minotaur. Oh, I forgot about the senator. Sorry, no, the no, minotaur no, no. looks I mean, sick. I, yeah, I, I think they did a really good job with the minotaur. There was a couple of bits where it looked a bit weird when he was moving, but when you're eh. trying to animate a mythical creature, sometimes it's not that easy to get it perfect. I'd imagine. They were smart that they used him at night in the rain. Yeah. It's the Jurassic Park trick where... To be fair, I'm pretty sure in the books it does happen at night when it's raining Probably. as well. Like, I'm pretty sure it's described that way. Um, so shout out Rick Rudin for making the animator's life easier while yeah. writing the books. Um, but yeah, I, I, it, it looks good so far. I'm looking forward to it. This, this, The two episodes of this so far have already given me context that I didn't have when watching the film. Yeah. Like, I'm 99% sure they never referenced The Mist in the film. Okay. I um, I don't even know if I actually really... I may have seen bits of the first film, but I don't even really remember the films at all, if I um, have. Yeah, I, I feel like they never referenced The Mist in the film. I might be misremembering. Um, So, like, I was always a little bit like, oh, why is no one 
doing anything. Oh, it's magic, so it must be different or whatever. Like you understand that there must be a reason, but yeah. they never. Whereas this was like he's like, why wasn't anyone reacting to that? Why wasn't anyone doing anything? It's like, oh, it's because of the mist, and because you're a demigod, you can kind of see through the mist, but because you don't know you're a demigod, the mist still kind of works. Blah yeah. blah 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 blah. Um, they explain the whole concept differently to the way the film did. In the film, it's explained that to keep him safe from the Minotaur and all the evil beings mm. before he knew what he was, that's why the mum was with the horrible boyfriend. Okay. Because he stinks and he covers up his like demi blood scent. Okay. Um Such a whereas in this whereas in this they don't reference that at all. So I don't know if that was something that was from the books originally. Or if it was I my approach is going to be that if things weren't in the film but they're in the show the film was wrong yes i would be comfortable going that way as well because also the boyfriend didn't seem as horrific mm. in this as he did in the yeah, film he was just like a little in the film on. he like assaulted percy if i'm remembering correctly yeah okay they've kind of um, them, probably. yeah so i don't know if they've just gone we're not going to have a grown man actually like getting physical with a 14 year old child or mm. if the film just decided to go that route instead or what um but i, I like mean, the feeling of the camp where everyone's like legit kind of 12 to 16 and yeah. it makes it feel a lot scarier and more uncomfortable and you definitely dislike the gods a little bit more knowing they've put all of these kids in danger because they can't keep it in their pants. Yeah. I think as well, for someone who hasn't read the books, like I have some concept of what it's about. Um, but like, I couldn't remember exactly which was his god. And like the, the fact that Double dropped an episode to start has got it to a point from, for someone like me who hasn't read the books, doesn't really remember what the films were about hasn't paid it much attention. I feel like I'm in a spot now after two episodes where I'm like, okay, I understand the concept of the world we're in. I understand what Percy is. And I now know who his God is. Yeah. And, and I, 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 quest I agree. set up. The, yeah. The two episodes start is the exact same thing that we saw in Andor. It's yep. beautiful. Here is the context you need to know where the story really starts for the story we're trying to tell. Because mm. the story isn't about him finding out he's a demigod and getting to the camp. That's not the story. That's the no. setup. Yeah. Which in a book you can take however many pages you want to do that. You yeah. don't want to take an entire season of a show doing that setup. No. So instead of giving us a 30 minute episode and a 40 minute episode over two weeks, in which case people might be like, oh, it's a bit slow in it. Mm. Especially because Netflix have ruined it and made everything binge culture. Um, they kind of go, right, we'll give you two episodes that you can yeah. watch over two weeks if you want to, or you can just watch them both straight away. It will give you a more extended taste of how we're doing stuff. And we're going to leave you on an actual cliffhanger mm. of, boom, this is where the quest starts. Yeah. So you don't know the story then. If you, like, you're, you don't remember much of the story if you don't remember who his dad was. Oh, no, I couldn't remember. I, I okay. had in my head a guess. Like, and as it was going on, I was like, I think I'm right here. Okay. I must have come so, from some memory of, like, who he was. Cool. So I remember the major plot points of this film. 
Okay. Not obviously right. every individual conversation, but I remember <laughs> the major plot points. So it's going to be really interesting. I'm going to have to be careful with what I say because I don't want to ruin the Yeah, story. I have no clue. Okay, cool. It's going to be very interesting for me to try and work out when you um get it. Figure stuff out. Get... Yeah. Okay, cool. This will be fun. Um, but I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm looking forward to watching more of this. I was yes, hoping so. when I like saw like the trailer of it and how excited like diehard Percy Jackson fans were, mm. and now to see their first episodes, I'm like, yeah, I think this is a little bit of me, a little, little bit of fantasy to go in with all the uh, super well, yeah, who, sci-fi who never hurts. Doesn't like a Greek god. Exactly. Who among us? <laughs> right. Should we get into some nerdy newsy network? I think we should because it's been quite a juicy week. It has. It has, it has, it has. Uh, Right. Starting off with something I was very excited for, and now I'm very not excited for. Rebel Moon. So, this was Zack Snyder's Star Wars film. R-rated. That Lucasfilm said no to. So, he Mm -hmm. pitched it after some changes pitched it to Netflix, and they went, yep, here's your money, go make it. Yep. And it's supposed to be, like you said, it's an R-rated Star Wars film. It's going to be class. Mm-hmm. Um, so the PG-13 cut of it is released. Which is like, um, okay, why? Yeah, so we've already been told by Zack Schneider and Netflix that this isn't the true version of the film yet. This is a PG-13 cut, which apparently just kind of cuts out anything that stops it being PG-13 instead of being edited differently. That's so which, which begs the question, why watch it and why release it? If you're not going to actually do a PG-13 cut and instead you're going to go, right, does this, if this is left in, can it be PG-13? No, right, out it comes. Which is literally what it sounds like they've done. Yeah, I don't get why the PG-13 cut, like, I don't really, I, my thought is maybe Netflix suggested it, because obviously R-rated, maybe it adds in extra steps to getting it approved and different things. With all the, uh, what we know is going to be a lack of content over the next year, Mm -hmm. they're like, hmm, we release a PG-13 cut. Don't have to worry about, is this approved? Is this like R-rated? Because it's probably a longer process to get the rating if it's going to be R-rated. Maybe. Um, They release a PG-13, then it allows them to release an R-rated six months down the line and they're like ah another influx of pulling people back into netflix but they've just done it in like a cheap way yeah i just i really really don't get it it seems like a really weird business decision it's um it's like they've wanted what the star wars franchise has where it like entices kids like every kid wants to be like a jedi yeah or sith um Kids love Star Wars. But obviously that wouldn't be the case if Star Wars was R-rated. And it's like he wants that to try and build this IP and there's going to be like kids want to be part of Rebel Moon. But it's like if it was an R-rated film, they wouldn't be allowed to watch it so that wouldn't happen. It's like he's trying to 
make the film he wants to make, which is like an R-rated Star Wars, but also have the Star Wars audience, which is a lot of kids. And it's like, I, you can't have I'm, both. I'm going to give Zack Schneider an out here. Because, oh. you know, he answers to me all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Come on, speed dial, yeah. I don't think it was his decision to make a PG film. Probably not. It's probably I don't Netflix. I think he really had any say in that. Especially the way he's talking about it in the press. He's not slagging it. But he's being very clear that it's not the true version. I think that is his way of kind of undermining it and going, just wait for mine. Right, what I, the I question to is the words Zack Schneider director cut ever again. This is the thing. I'm what is blow up. like what does this say about him as a director if he never gets his cut released? Like there's something going on there. Like why is he why is he never get to have his say on what his cut is? If he's not respected or like he's making the worst business decisions. Schneider cultists might be the worst people on Twitter, bar racists and pedophiles, and some of them Jeez. are both. Um, and I think that's starting to hurt him because Netflix clearly wanted a PG-13 film. He clearly wanted an R-rated film. He's made his R-rated film and they've gone, no, we're going to make it PG-13. He's right, right, well, everyone's going to be on Twitter demanding you release the Schneider cut again and you saw how that went before. I was just going to say Netflix Netflix is doing this purely for marketing. They yeah. they probably don't give a shit about the PG-13 cut. They've just done it so that they know the fandom's going to be like, release the Schneider cut so then they can do a double dip. Well, this is the thing we, we need to discuss. So on Rotten Tomato mm -hmm. the, the reviews for Rebel Moon have not been good. Well, yeah. They have been actively horrific but it's interesting because they're 24 percent currently after 86 critic reviews that is pants mm. um but the audience score is 72 percent, which still isn't very good it was however before the film had come out to the public up at 86 percent. yeah and all of the people reviewing it only had a review for this film on their Rotten Moon account. Rotten which Moon? is a little bit... Yeah, Rotten Moon. <laughs> Rotten Tomato account. Which is a bit suspicious, if you ask me. Yeah, a little bit. Why I pray, to, I pray tell is a film that's not out to the general public yet got an audience score. And why is it so high from a bunch of accounts that only have one rating on them. I Now, I don't know if that's common. Maybe I've just been baited by someone who wants me to think there's something suspicious going on here. But I, I feel like know. most people who create a Rotten Tomato account don't do it for a film that's not out yet, and they don't write their first ever review for a film that's only just coming out. If it was like a film that was... In, if this was like Oppenheimer, I'd be like, doesn't surprise me. People are blown away. They want to do a review. They're like, I have to find, like, I need to do my first review. Get it. For a Zack Snyder film, who we know the fam fandom is crazy, like, just, just, just wild. They're just wild people. Yeah. It gets bad critic reviews. To then get loads of, like, audience reviews of just people that have reviewed nothing but this film 
to almost be like, try and be like, look, the audience scores higher than the critic one, so the critics are wrong. It's just weird. Like, I would be interested to know if it would have got all those reviews had the critic score been good. Yeah. It's just weird. I probably will say I'm not going to watch this till there's an R-rated cut. I will. I'm going to hold out for the R-rated cut Mm. and hope it can live up to the fun I was hoping from. But yeah. we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I I don't expect it to be a storytelling masterpiece, but I want it to be fun and enjoyable. Yeah, I. Hopefully, the R.A. cut is a better, coherent story. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. But um, it's it's not yeah. looking good for Rebel Moon. The other thing we got last week, late last week, Saturday, mm. was it was it was a echo teaser. Yeah, few with more even shots. more action. This is true. Hurry, I'm doing that thing again where I start to buy into the Marvel hype a bit too much. It looks fucking Loki's good. Loki's turned you back. Yeah. They've got you hooked back in. That that they, they bought a bit of goodwill with Loki and then they dropped these echo teasers that look Fucking class. Some good fight scenes. And it's it's Echo and it's Kingpin and it's Daredevil. The uh have to believe, say Horace. the fight scenes not like exact feel of like Daredevil, but like has an air to that Daredevil feel. The the shots they were showing it, the way they were filming it gave mm. the punches weight. Yeah. Like they, 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 it. From what we could see, and obviously it's very heavily edited to be a tease trailer, so we don't know. Oh, yeah. But the the way they're moving the camera, they're keeping it in one shot, which is always better for action sequences, and mm-hmm. is a telltale sign of how good the action is. But like the the shots they're doing give the in punches and the kicks weight. Yeah, it makes it feel heavy, and I'm hoping that they haven't just hit us with the best shots of that, and that is just how the entire thing's been filmed. Well, I mean, I'd like to believe it's not just a bait and switch, but... I I really hope so. I think... I'm pretty confident that it will be filmed well, and like the action sequences will be good and have that feel we want. My worry will be the pacing. Because so far they've only but done it well once. It is the start of the Marvel spotlight. Yep, it is. So hopefully they've start chosen this of... to be the start because they think they've got this worked out now. Yep. Hopefully. Um, and that's like January 9th, January 10th. Something like that, yeah. And we're getting all the episodes on one day. And I'm pretty sure that's a Thursday. So that'll be fun. We'll have to work out how many episodes we're watching before the podcast that night. All of them. Um, some of us have a job where we're not in the house horizontal. You want me to watch seven hours sounds of like a, between five Sounds and like a skill <laughs> issue. <laughs> um, now, this is a really interesting one, which has divided a lot of people, but I'm not sure. Mm. The DCU's Arkham show, mm-hmm. according to James Gunn, is also being produced by Matt Reeves. Yes. So, 
I saw this. I saw a screenshot of this interaction on what's Instagram's Twitter. Oh, threads. Threads. Thank you. Um, and the screenshot from Threads was of James Gunn saying, "Yeah, we love him doing the Batman, so we want him to help us with any Batman stuff inside the DCU." To which a lot of people have gone, "This is fucking dumb." Let him do the Batman, or just bring the Batman in the DCU. Don't ask him to do the same thing in two places, because then what's the point of it being in two places? Which I do kind of get. If you yeah. want the exact same, if you want the exact same tone, because he's doing such a good job, I why not just fold it in? I, I think he's don't... just going to be there as like a consultant. I don't. Think I don't think it's the, t- the same tone. I think we know from when the Batman came out and all the like roundtable interviews and different things he was doing discussing it he just loves the batman like he just loves batman always has been a fan when he got the chance to work on the film like he was thrilled and he wanted to put his take on it that doesn't stop him being a fan of batman and knowing what batman can be in all the different comic styles and all the different things like i think people are thinking this is because james gunn wants his tone of the batman but it's probably Matt Reeves being like, "Oh, you're doing you're doing more Batman stuff. Can I? Uh, I I love the Batman. I did a great Batman film. I know what I'm doing with Batman. Can I help?" Do you know <laughs> and what I like, Yeah. I think in a time where everyone working in superhero films is scared about the longevity of them, James Gunn wants someone who is unequivocally got goodwill from Batman fans right now name on another batman project yeah because and I think... there are going to be a lot of people who aren't sold on james gunn yeah that see that matt reeves is working on this and they go right i'll give it a chance i i can see matt reeves doing a completely new another style of like tone of batman for the arkham show that leans into what james gunn wants for the dcu's batman yeah 100%. and people are gonna like matt reeves is that guy for batman yeah. The, the fans are going to fall in love with it. Like anything that's Batman, they're like, Matt Reeves needs to touch this. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. 100%. 100%. 100%. But I do get the concern from people, kind of like, well, why, yeah. don't, why would you have the same guy doing two different things in two different places? Just do it all in one place, which I think is a valid point, but I don't think. I don't think he's hiring him to write and direct the Arkham show. He just wants him to consult on it and help produce it. It's very, very different. I think people also underestimate maybe how much Matt Reeves likes Batman and just wants to yeah. touch everything Batman. <laughs> like <laughs> George Clooney. <laughs> um, rumors are mounting that we're going to get our first Deadpool three trailer during the Super Bowl. That wouldn't surprise me. Yes. So, um, for those who are uninitiated, the Super Bowl is the second Sunday of February. Imagine. If the trailer is them watching, like American football in the mansion, like just a bunch of X Men characters on a couch watching American, American football, <laughs> that is their but Super here's, Bowl. Here's here's the problem. Deadpool and Wolverine are both Canadian. Yeah, they'll so probably just be if, like, if, if they are doing that, it's just going to be to laugh at Americans. Yeah, but or is it some of the other X Men trying to explain the Super Bowl to them? Maybe, maybe. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the current rumour, which to be fair, 
February for a film that's due out in July. Cutting it a bit close. Yeah, but Super Bowl also known for a lot of trailers. Yes. Oh, yeah. It, so... it is trailer central. It's always a busy week after the Super Bowl. Um, I will be watching the Super Bowl as I have for the last number of years. I'm hoping the 49ers will be there to make it worth watching this year. Let's go. I don't um, know if the Ravens are still doing well this year. Yeah, no, they are. The Ravens oh, okay. and the 49ers are actually playing Boxing Day morning for us, Christmas Day evening for the Americans. Oh, well, let's go Ravens. Um, and, and it is being touted as the um, Super Bowl preview because it is expected to be the Super Bowl matchup. Okay. Um, right, on to some much more serious news. Yes. So, back in March we reported that Jonathan Majors had been arrested. There was a lot Mm -hmm. of news up in the air about what had happened after an altercation with his girlfriend. No one really knew what was happening. Um, Not long after, apparently, she'd recounted her statement and she'd been arrested for assaulting him. And there was lots of back and forth, at which point we just decided we will stop talking about it and wait for there to actually be an outcome before we address it again. The only stuff we kind of discussed was what we think Marvel might do. Yes. Um, and this week, um, there was a, finally a verdict in Jonathan Major's trial, yeah. Um, in which he was found guilty on two counts and not guilty in two counts. Uh, what he was found guilty of were guilty of assault in the third degree and harassment. I think officially it was non-criminal harassment, but I don't know what that means. I don't know the law, and I definitely don't know American law that well. <laughs> Um, but I'm pretty sure he was he was found guilty of non-criminal harassment, but I don't know what that entails. Um, shortly after this verdict was announced, mm-hmm. um, it was announced that Marvel had fired him. Yeah, it's. Uh, I have nothing to say about the criminal case itself. No, nope. there's like we don't have anything to say. It went to court. He was found guilty. That's it. Yeah, the, the like, verdict's been made. Like, it's it's not our country for starters. We're British, not American. Yeah, um, and, and we're not lawyers, so yeah, we're not going to start commenting on another country's law. We have no idea how any of that stuff works. Um, you, if if you don't trust your legal system, do something to help it get better. Um, and if you do trust the legal system, well done. They won one, I guess. Um, as for the Marvel, the real news. conversation for us mm. because we there's nothing to comment on the other stuff is the big discussion right now is should Marvel recast or scrap Kang altogether? And to add fuel to that fire, there are rumours suggesting Kang Dynasty is now internally being referred to as Avengers 5. Well, so there's, I mean, there's different parts. So the Marvel firing him, I imagine there was a clause in his contract for that that essentially just automatically that is what happened and marvel like as soon as this was officially verdict official verdict was made boom okay your contract's terminated like that's that's that there's no ifs buts yeah the thing we need to remember is what marvel actors in their contracts are disney actors yep so the question is is disney gonna have an actor who's just been charged of assault uh, found guilty of assault. No, it's not going to happen. No. So, I mean, that wasn't really a surprise to anyone, I don't think. As for, like, Kang Dynasty being referred, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it's already internally been referred to Avengers 5 for a long time. Yeah. 
before they even called it Kang Dynasty, and it's just like, oh, they're calling it Avengers Five. It's like, no, they just always have. You're just hearing it again, like yeah. Um, as for recasting, I think this is ironically going to be looked back on as a big decision. I don't think it actually affects anything, but it's a big decision about a discussion we've heard a lot over the last two or three years about our movie stars a dying breed. Yeah. Because for a long time, the discussion has been, when was the last actual movie star we had? The movie stars aren't a thing anymore. Now it's the characters that are the superstars, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then because the characters are the superstars, what you get is you get people falling in love with the actor for the role, and then they just think of that actor in the role. Like Robert Downey Jr. with Iron Man, Chris yep. Evans with Captain America, etc., etc. Hugh Jackman with Wolverine. Anytime you mm-hmm. mention someone else doing that role, everyone's like, oh no, but they won't do it as well. Yeah. It's actually a big problem. In mm-hmm. fact, I'm starting to think the only beloved character that can get away with ever casting a new actor is the Doctor because it's built into the show. And even then, yeah. that doesn't always go smoothly because of. <sighs> just he's got a weird screwdriver um so i think they need to just recast if you cannot recast kang you're never gonna be able to recast anyone ever again and when these actors are too old to do the job yeah i kang is the most recastable character yeah that's the thing thing is being a variant i would say kang Right now, we've had a few appearances of Kang in different versions. Yes, obviously, we had the Council of Kang scene, but like that's never here. That, that was a good layer who shot first and just go back and edit the digital version so that it's got different faces all over there. Like, um, we're early enough in like if this was. We've had the Kang Dynasty film, Secret Wars is about to come out, and Kang is still working. Like, at that point, it gets kind of awkward to recast because it's like there's been so many like pivotal yeah. moments of him in that. It's still very early in the role. You could very easily swap it. And by the time we're at Secret Wars, people will have forgot, just like they forget that there's a different roadie in Iron Man 1 sometimes. Like, yeah. Marvel is not afraid to recast. And you, unfortunately, will probably get left in the dust, whoever played the role previously, because people will remember the end, not the start. Exactly. Um, They recast Thanos, let's not forget, and the Hulk. Yeah. And and Rhodey, and Cassie Lang. They've done it. They will do it again in the future. If you cannot recast Kang, you cannot recast anyone, and we're stuck with whatever act gets cast first (laughs) the rest of the time. And to the people that are like, oh, scrap can go to Doctor Doom, it's like, you realise if they just do that, like, you've already complained about film, like, the Marvel fans have already complained that films aren't feeling connected. There's no, like, the story's, like, mid. It's like, meh. It's like, oh, so we're just going to pivot to Doctor Doom is suddenly the main bad out of nowhere with no setup, no lead. Like, you're just going to cry more. We've not even got the Fantastic Four yet. Yeah, like and you what want Doom you just, to come in and be the big battle of the whole universe. Come on, it's yeah. I think they recast. There's no question. I think there's plenty of great actors that will do Kang justice and that can 
visually be not too much of a leap. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I mean, the rumor is already that Ryan Gosling's in talks with Marvel about an unknown role. Is he going to be our new Kang? <laughs> so, for those who don't he's, know... He's Knuff. There, there's been a long-running meme um, that started off with racists being dumb, and then it got turned into just a funny meme. So, around the time they were talking about how like white characters were being stolen and made black, mm-hmm. um, p- uh, people started uh, mocking up pictures of Black Panther with Ryan Gosling's face. Yep. And going, how would black people feel if we did this to them? And of course, it's a dumb point because Black Panther like needs to be black for like an yeah, actual story reason. For heritage reasons. Um, yeah, exactly. But that was always their joke, and then it just got stolen to be a meme. So then yeah. when the Kang news leaked, oh sorry, when the Jonathan Majors being fired happened, yeah. and then Ryan Gosling in talks with Marvel about an unknown role leaked around the same time, everyone collectively started using that meme and going, oh my god, it's finally happening. <laughs> Um, the internet is a wild place yeah it's it's going to be quiet for a while there are lots of really really good options what i will say is if we cast our minds back not too long ago this happened in march Mm -hmm. and at the time everyone thought he was going to get fired on the spot yeah people at that moment in time were caught calling for the actor whose name i forget who played the high evolutionary to take over the role of kang they're like, just make him a Kang yes. variant and make him the lead actor. Yeah. And then people are already back at it. They're like, we told you what to do, just do it. There's, there's lots pr- of there's lots of talented actors. Go find one. You'll be fine. Yeah. And there's a lot of ways that they can twist it. If it's someone that's already in the MCU and be like, yeah, it was a Kang variant. Like I said, just pull a who shot first, like they did with the Star Wars digital versions. Go back to the um Council of Kangs. Yeah, for stuff like that, they can go back and anything that's like a digital face replacement, like they can just yeah, go back, change a load of their faces, just random faces. You'll go, Um, yeah, we'll watch it on Disney Plus in like ten years, and it'll be like it'll be completely different acting. We're like, I swear this was the one that had Jonathan. What you can do is you can go back and you can just make basically all of the ones in the arena random face, and just be like, oh, well, of course there are going to be some that look the same, but there's also yeah. look at how many different faces there are. It's not a big problem. Like, yeah, cool, whatever. And also, it gives them a free cop out of everyone complaining that the one from Quantumania was weak. They're like, well, that wasn't the ultimate Kang. Obviously, look, this is a different Kang. He's much stronger. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. honestly, yeah. so easy. Um, now, about a year ago, we uploaded our most successful video ever. Um, <laughs> and it was talking about 40k. It was. Um, and I'm here sure with that's why it, got, it did so well. Yeah. Um, a year later, Henry Cavill's 40k universe is reportedly now properly rolling at yes, Amazon. It They've is. They've got a deal fully locked in and ready to go, and they're starting pre-production on whatever. So yeah, yep. there you go. That's your update. We'll talk to you I'm, next year when they've got script. I'm so excited. So oh, ready. You know me, I'll give it a watch. Yeah, I'll I mean, I would. I though I'm not huge into all the lore of 40k and stuff. I've played some of the games, never got the figures, but like 40k is a lore in the world. Very interesting. Very cool. Could be a very, very good film or show or whatever they want to do. 
think the beauty of it is so. you kind of like know a fair bit about the rule already. So you'll be able to watch it and know what's going on. If I try and watch it and I'm completely lost, it's a bad show. Because what's the point of doing a 40k show if it's just for the people who already love it and you're not trying to get any new fans? You need to no, find they'll... a way to explain the law to the people who are coming in. They will explain it, I'm sure. Um, but I mean, that, that'll be the first big test for them. If I'm sitting here going, the fuck is a space marine? They fucked it. Because I already know what a space marine is. <laughs> so if I'm asking that question, they've really fucked it. They are. Um, we also have the Disney 2024 slate. Yes. I've Everything got rid of expected. anything not related to us because Fair. we don't care about stuff not related to us. So this is strictly Marvel and Star Wars, I believe. Makes no, sense. there is one thing that's not. Um, Echo, January 10th. Yes. Entire series dropping on January 10th. Yep. Then we have Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, May 24th. Mm. I put that in because I, I know we both said we were interested in watching it, so I assume it would um, end up on here. Yeah. Um, Deadpool 3, July 26th. Mm-hmm. Agatha's TV show, which I still don't think has a final name, which is a little yeah, bit concerning. Full 2024. Okay. Then the following have no date attached to them yet, other than being expected to release in 2024. Yep. Um, Eyes of Wakanda. Don't know what that is. No. The Acolyte, which is a Star Wars show. Yeah. Which we are both very excited for. The Bad Batch Season 3, which I'm pretty sure has also been confirmed to be the last season of The Bad Batch. I think it is, yeah. Skeleton Crew, another Star Wars show we're both quite excited for. Tales of the Jedi Season 2, which I am very excited for. Yes, I am. X-Men 97, which... um, Horry's very excited because his age is in the title. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dude, if, then, if I look this good for 97, well, I, I am going to be powers. fucking happy. You should see him on Christmas Eve chat when the beard goes all white and gets bigger and he puts on all the weight. Um, why, why can it not just be like, I am jacked, but it's like a fat suit? <laughs> That's how he moves so quick. He looks like he shouldn't be able to. Hundred years ago, Santa got tired of being fat, so he got jacked. But he didn't want to lose the jolliness, so just wears a fat suit over being jacked. It's how he just like squeezes into places, and he's just so yoked. And then also, we'll be getting the animated Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man show. Yes, in 2024. So while also, we're getting one Marvel film all year, and by the looks of it, no Star Wars films, looks like we're eating good on TV. We are. Which, bearing in mind, I'm hoping to have a house, not having to go to the cinema three times a month, probably not going to hurt. No, but those streaming services might. <laughs> yeah, they're already baked into the budget. True, that's fine. true, true. We're not worried about that. Um. And, I mean, if in doubt, yo <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, but yeah. I'm very excited for all the Star Wars. Let's very be honest, excited. though. These one, two, three, four, five, six, seven projects mm-hmm. that have no date. Yes. How many of them get pushed to 2025? I reckon we only get I'll be surprised if we get both the Acolyte and Skeleton Crew. 
I think we'll get both Bad Batch and Tales of Jedi because Tales of Jedi is a small thing. Um, Echo and Agatha, I think, will happen, no problem. One of the animated ones is going to get pushed. The Rise of Wakanda is apparently animated. Okay. I think that gets pushed. Depends on what it is. Like, if it's like a few little short things, then maybe not. But if it's like a full-on animated series, then maybe. So, all that I can currently see on here is that it seems to be about throughout Wakandan history, brave warriors have been tasked to travel the world retrieving dangerous vibranium artifacts. That could be like each episode is a different time. So that could just yeah. be a short thing. So that might still rock up. Yeah. But um, it'll be interesting, that's for sure. Yeah. But out of them seven, I won't be surprised if we only end up getting four. I don't know what for, but I won't be surprised if we only end up getting four. Yeah. I think it's I think it's very realistic to say one of the Acolytal Skeleton crew being two live action shows ends up dropping. I'd be very surprised. And also Agatha could very easily drop as well, bearing in mind that's a very soft full twenty twenty four. And we I don't know, know how hard Marvel have been hit hit by the uh, strikes earlier this year. I reckon Agatha will still come out. Oh, possibly. I will also say, not Disney, but we should also be hearing about Rings of... Not, um, yeah, Rings of Power. Uh, Lord of Rings. That should be coming out in 2024. Yeah, apparently it's set to premiere on Prime Video in 2024. So that's also um, something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. What was the other thing I saw? Oh, yeah. Notable absence from the 2024 slate and or season two. That didn't surprise me. I think the strikes probably affected it. Yeah. Um. There was, there, I think there was one other thing that people were a bit surprised that wasn't there. I also would have been surprised to get the Acolyte, Skeleton Crew and Andor. Yeah. In one year, that would have been wild. Especially so. that, like, a year after one of the biggest strikes yeah it wasn't happening um but we uh we will we will see where we get to with our various things next year um if not we will just find something to waffle about i'll get hurry reading comics or something it'll be fine i'll start reading the uh, percy jackson books <laughs> we'll, we'll turn into a book podcast T- turn into a book club <laughs> <laughs> the the magic the magic screen thing stopped showing us the stories. Now we have to read them with our eyes. Just, we'll we'll do a read along of like the Hobbit or something. Don't, because you know, <laughs> knowing our luck, that's when the podcast would go in nuclear, and then we'd be stuck reading. Oh, yeah, who doesn't? Who doesn't want to hear me just read through the Hobbit? See, I like the idea of giving you the lines for characters who would like you think have like quite a high voice. And I try and do like the gnomes and the dwarves who are going to have quite deep voices. I think that'd be quite funny. Subvert expectations. <laughs> um, right. Crimbo Content Championship Part 2. Yes. Will it be as heated as last week's debate? I think it will, but I'm ready for it to be heated this week. Last week I thought it was going to be really easy and you fucking pulled a fast one. On <laughs> this me. is where this week's just going to be really easy because we both agree or something. <laughs> I don't think it will be. Um, we have got mm. the Grinch who stole Christmas. 
Yeah. Uh, the two thousand, yeah, the two thousand edition with Jim Carrey. Yeah. Versus Love Actually, mm. the British icon. Yes. As always, we have got six categories to help us make our decision. Yeah. Personal relevance, how well it has aged, rewatchability, story, acting, and cinematography slash general visual appeal. Yep. I'm not looking forward to this one. Oh. And I'm going to explain why with my personal relevance. Okay. Um, personal relevance, The Grinch. Mm. My favorite Christmas movie by far. Personal relevance for Love Actually. My second favorite Christmas <laughs> movie by far. I feel like this is going to be more painful just for you. Yes, I, I, I don't tend to have favorite things. I think I think we've like kind of established that. Like as a general rule, I'm very much like recency bias or like I I have favorites but i never i very rarely have like a favorite someone asked me my favorite film or book or comic or song Spider-Man. i'm like i don't know these general area things spider-man for all the above <laughs> yeah spider-man is my favorite song you're right yeah um but with uh. christmas films like these are absolutely both top two this is gonna hurt where's your personal relevance at for these big boy so the Grinch is probably, I would say, The Grinch and Home Alone One are like the two oldest Christmas films I remember from being a kid. Of like vivid memory of watching them on TV every year. So like The Grinch, pretty high up there as like one of my top films to watch every Christmas. Um, Love Actually, I've seen it a few times. Like it's a great film. I can't say that it's like always a go-to film for me to watch. Uh though I did happen to watch it literally like a couple weeks ago. But uh that's cuz my sister's put it on. But yeah, it's one it, like I definitely lean Grinch, but Love Actually is yeah, classic British Christmas film. How well has it aged? This these might be some of the most I've ever written notes-wise oh. for a content championship. Here. Oh damn. It's not low. Maybe we need to just switch to doing Christmas films all year round. Um, I think for the Grinch Mm. that the generation of kids who grew up with it, i.e., yourself, myself, the people who watched it as kids, those millennials. Yeah, well, I'm I'm Gen Z technically. Don't feel like it, but I technically am. Um, we find the Grinch incredibly relatable. Like every single Christmas. All you see is a million different freeze frames of the Grinch. And it's kind of like, why was he right though? Yeah. He's like, he's kind of base. <laughs> Honestly, like, I think that Grinch film as well, because of the level of practical that they went to, although it has that older Christmas film feel to it, like, it's got that era. It still looks great. It looks phenomenal. The story, like you say, there's so many. I feel like as we get older, we're like, I relate with the Grinch far too much. Hate, hate, hate. (laughs) But the thing is, it's like, we relate to it, not necessarily around Christmas, 
but we relate to it just in our daily lives. And it's like, why is The Grinch not just a Christmas film? <laughs> and, and, and you are absolutely lying if you don't tear up a little bit when his heart grows three sizes. And he has yeah. to save Cindy Lou and he saves Christmas. It's brilliant. If you don't like it, you're a heartless fuck. <laughs> um, now, how well oh. is it aged for love, actually? I have a great thing to say here. Go on, you go first. Um, probably one of the greatest British prime ministers we ever had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how well it's aged. The fake prime um, minister has been better than all of our actual prime ministers. Um, when I was younger, I enjoyed the comedy aspects of the story and mm. like how how like you get the big reveal at the end that they're all intertwined. And you're like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and as I age, which I know sounds crazy, I'm only 24, but as I've emotionally matured, I enjoy the actual stories so much more. Yeah. As well as. And what I was always trying to work because it is at its core like a rom com, yeah, which aren't my go to. But what I realized is the reason I don't mind it is it doesn't just do it doesn't just show romantic love. It's got romantic love, but it shows friendships and brother well, yeah. and sisters, and it shows like all them different relationships that are really important at Christmas. Like they're not just like no, it, you the only person that matters is the person that you fall in love with. It's like no, your family matter, your friends yeah. matter, your brothers matter. That yes, old love, new love, don't betray your love, fucking Alan Rickman. Um <laughs> but it is very much like oh it's such a wide variety of relationships. And yeah they all have these intertwining moments which are beautiful. Mm. But it's just that kind of, no matter what you're going through at a Christmas, yeah. there is a story in Love Actually That's that relatable. you can resonate with. Yeah. It like, co- it's it, one of the best. As it's like, as you say, as we've aged with it, it's just as entertaining and if not, like, like with The Grinch, more relatable to like an understanding of that is what Christmas is. I, I genuinely think you could watch Love Actually every year for 10 years and relate to a different story every time you watch it. Yeah. Just because of the way like life changes and you go through different parts of your life, there are going to be different things that you relate to at different times. Um, and I think that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Rewatchability might be the drawiest draw we've ever had literally every year. Without See, fail. For me... I've definitely watched The Grinch way more times than I've watched Love Actually. Um, I mean, maybe I've watched The Grinch more, but for as long as like I've been old enough to have a say in what Christmas films we watch as a family, <laughs> they both get watched every year. Like, they're I, I love them so I much. would say I've seen The Grinch start to finish more than I've seen Love Actually start to finish. The amount of times where I've come in to like the same room and my sisters have Love Actually, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll stick and watch this. It's like, I always seem to come in partway through that film. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that, I, I, you know what? It does seem to be the film that gets played on TV a lot. As yes, well. it's always, Especially it's always like on British TV. Films. Yeah, I mean, it's one of very few like British films that are just genuine 100% masterpieces, cannot be argued. Yeah. Um, right. Story again. I've set myself up for a very big draw here. As far as I am concerned, they are both ten out of ten stories. 
Yeah, and you've also got to, we've got to remember, these are Christmas films, so they've got to yep. convey Christmas. Both cracking yep. Christmas stories. Do you know what I always love about The Grinch? What? I routinely forget until the end of the film that it takes place on a snowflake. Yes, everyone forget. Everyone, it's, it's one of them details that people the don't believe. It's in credits where they yeah. fly onto it, and then every single year I'm watching it, I'm seeing the credits, and I'm like, oh yeah, it takes place on a snowflake. Yeah. It's beautiful. And it's, 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 it is the story of Christmas done properly without religion, which is actually really difficult to do because Christmas is inherently yes. tied to religion. But it's kind of like, no, Christmas has outgrown religion directly. But even if you're not religious, you shouldn't just fall into the commercialism of Christmas. There yeah. is still a meaning to be taken from Christmas. And it is checking in with people who maybe are a little bit too reclusive and need to lighten up. And maybe you need to hold your family accountable to not just care about presents and just this hyper mm -hmm. commercialized world. Maybe like check on your neighbor, make sure they're okay. Yeah. It's a beautiful story told in a masterfully comedic way. I, I just love it. I could talk about the Grinch for hours. Oh yeah, you're not wrong. It's it's great, great story. And then and then on the flip side, you got Love Actually, which is a genuine storytelling masterpiece to have all of these stories again, so different individually, and yes. then they all just tie up nicely. It's almost like a snapshot of what a British Christmas and shows so many different aspects and ways people celebrate Christmas, and then it's all tied up in a classic school nativity play. 100%. And it's like, but, which everyone then relates to, because they're like, oh yeah. It's, it's the beauty of it. You've got Liam Neeson, who's now got a stepson that he's clearly not that close with, but he's trying to be really close with, because his wife, the boy's son's passed away. And yeah. they become close by him helping him fall in love with a girl. It's brilliant. Yeah. And then you've got Liam Neeson's friend, who is Emma Thompson, fucking love emma thompson she's married to alan rickman it should be the best thing ever but alan rickman's character's a bastard <laughs> and emma thompson's brother is the prime minister who falls in love with his new secretary whose sister goes to the same school yeah. as the and then you've got the the friends who go to america and it's just then you got brilliant. rick grimes Yes, oh, you've got, you've got. There's so it, we're getting into cat like into acting here. Yeah, but, yeah. But, and, like, and then you've got like the really funny like the arc in the background of uh, Bill Nighy's character doing the let it, the the new Christmas song. And it's just yeah, I love it so much. It is so good. The storytelling. I I don't. I'd never want to be this guy, but I'm going to be this guy for this time and this time only. They just don't make them like it anymore. Have they? <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I, I, honestly, if every film took the kind of formula of Love Actually, it's like, we're going to have too many characters. Yeah. And we're going to have all these stories that actually don't rely on any other story, but we're still going to tie them together anyway. Yeah, I, I think I'd die happy, man. It's such a complex, like on paper, so complex, but then it just works so well. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I love it so much. Now, acting. It's just getting rougher and rougher. Normally the first three are the rough ones, but um, not today. Acting. Peak Jim Carrey. Yeah. Like Jim Carrey is absolute peak. The man learnt DIA torture yeah. survival techniques to get through the makeup for this film. And gave us 
the performance of a lifetime with the Grinch. I I I, I don't know. Like it's because it's a Christmas film. The man should have won an Oscar. It is one of the yeah. best comedic performances I have ever seen. Like he, like genuinely became that character of the Grinch. Yes, like he 100%. fully embodied it so much. And, and I like... think that's part of the reason I love the Grinch so much because I genuinely, with my entire heart and soul, do not believe any other human being, alive, dead, will be alive, could do that as well as he did. No, no one. That is a role made for Jim Carrey. Hundred percent. It, it's crazy. The man just became the Grinch in every morsel of morsel of his being. Everything like th- this is my favorite thing, and everyone's probably heard it a million times. But the bit when he's getting ready to go to the the Yuletide celebrations, and he rips the fucking thing out, yeah, um, the the tablecloth out perfectly. Everything was supposed to go flying, but he accidentally did it perfectly, so nothing fell. And then he stayed in character and messed up the table. Yeah, and that that made the Grinch even more of the Grinch because it's this idea that the Grinch can do something perfectly, but he's so anti everything he has to mess yeah. it up anyway. And, and that wasn't even supposed to be the. It's bit. It's like the story that he tells about how he was taught and learned to get through the makeup of like smoking to distract yeah. himself. He would hit himself, so he's there and he talks about how he like he's in full costume sat with a cigarette in a cigarette holder just yeah. going smoking and going ah and smacking himself <laughs> which is like the grinch like yeah. that just l- gives and grinch he energy said, he, said he, had, he, he always says he had a little mantra for himself just you do yeah. it for the kids you're doing it for the kids i just he might Honestly. like I, I i don't as a general rule believe that only one actor can do a role like yes Hugh Jackman was brilliant as um, Wolverine and uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Other actors can do a good job. Yeah. No one can get close to a live-action Grinch like Jim Carrey can. No. No one has the physical comedy prowess and the actual acting skill to go along with it. 100% agree. Um, But then you've got that actually. Would you like to see what I've written down for this? Or would you like to hear what I've written down for this? Go on. One of the greatest ensemble casts in history. Fight me. It honestly felt like they just were like uh, British actors and actresses. They got Rowan Atkinson at his peak in for a two-minute bit. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Emma Thompson. Um... Alan Rickman, Liam Neeson, Martin Freeman. Like that, Martin Freeman. Right, let's get let's Hugh get Grant. some actually cast up. Oh, I've got it. Uh, yeah, you've got Hugh Grant, Emma Thompson, Liam Neeson, Kira Knightley. Colin Firth. I forgot Colin Firth. Colin Firth, Alan Rickman, Andrew Lincoln, Martin Freeman. Oh my, it's just it's it's everyone. And like, don't remember what all of Nye. these guys were as famous as they were. Well, yeah, then. some of them were early careers. Now. Some were but like still. I've scrolled down to like the sixth row here and I'm still seeing mega famous faces. Yep. Like, it's crazy. It was a stacked cast. Such a stacked cast. I've never seen anything like it. Like, when when we've had like Harry Potter in the other bracket, we've always said, that is such a cast. This Love Actually cast blows it out of the water. 
Like they've saw... got three solid rows on Google of just absolute superstars. Yeah, it is crazy. It, it is just, a you've never seen it, you, but I like it. You think about like when you watch it, you're like, God, there's so many like top tier actors and actresses, and it's like obviously back when it was done, some of those were in their early careers, so it wasn't like as crazy that they were in it. But it's like they all gone on to do so well. And they all were like they were all rent was due. Like none of them pulled their punches. They oh yeah, they all acting. did great performances. Yeah. No no one was reining it in because I think I think it was one of them things where they were all like they all knew they were good actors and a lot of them hadn't hit their peak yet, but a lot of them were quite big. Like Alan yeah. Rickman, Emma Thompson, Hugh Grant were all quite big. Liam Neeson were already yeah. quite big. So I think they kind of bounced off each other and they're like, I'm not going to be outacted on this set. And as a result, what you just get is everyone just giving it the absolute all. I can imagine it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And yeah, and that's the other thing. Nobody ever seems to say anything bad about working on that film. Yeah. Everyone seemed to enjoy it. Um, cinematography. This might be the only easy one on the list. Okay. Um, for a 2000s film, there was some insanely good artistic decisions in The Grinch. The yeah. art style and sets they designed and put together yep. are gorgeous. I love it so much. It's the practical. Yeah. It's, it's, just... it's, it's, a, it's a long lost art at this time, it feels. Um, and for the 2000s, when like stuff was starting to go the wrong way, they di they didn't even really lean in it at all. They were they were very much the uh, the George Lucas ilk of no, we'll do it practical, and then if anything needs a touch up, we'll use the computers. Um, yeah. so so good, and like it even had because obviously it's a Doctor Seuss book, mm -hmm. they even like used a couple of the bits from the book with like the silhouettes and stuff. Yeah, they they were or clever like about it. Inspiration for the shots, and it just so so good. Um, whereas Love Actually is bang average. They yeah, they, I they feel like about the acting, the script, and the cast. They were not worried about it looking. Do you know what? Beautiful. Love Actually is shot like a British TV show. Yes, hundred percent. It's that just like for, visual, which essentially because it's like if you think about it, it's shown on British TV every year. Like it's essentially that's they made it for what it like they've done it for what it is and it's like yeah. well yeah it's nothing um, crazy it fits what it, has, it, is. it has a couple of really nice shots and sequences but it's nothing that's going to blow you away purely no. on the cinematography which is fine it's a Christmas film no Christmas film really needs to blow you away with the cinematography no um but in this particular instance the Grinch is just gorgeous I love it so much um. Now, this is the bit I really dislike. Yeah. Personal relevance, I'm just going to call a draw. Even though I've said The Grinch is my favourite Christmas movie, I want to call that a draw. Okay, well, I, so I go Grinch, you. but we'll call it a draw. Okay. How well it's aged. I think The Grinch has aged better. I feel I relate to The Grinch. Yeah. To a higher degree. <laughs> I, I do, do you know what my problem is? I don't know if Love Actually like is still watched outside of the UK. Yeah. I think the that, Grinch... That's my problem. When you think about the Grinch is globally known as a great yeah. Christmas film. Um, is, if we get loads of comments saying, oh no, the, Love Actually is huge in America. We love it. Then 
maybe we'll change our mind. But I think I think the Grinch is probably eight. Yeah. Um, rewatchability and story for me are a draw. I would have the Grinch on rewatchability. Okay, cool. Story, um, I would have it as draw. Okay, so I think that makes it two 0 Grinch so far. Yeah. Okay. Acting, I think has to go to Love Actually, doesn't it? As much as I don't want to, because Jim Carrey's so good, it's the it is literally. Can you name a better ensemble cast? That all pull out all the. It's so difficult because it's like, I want to give it to Love Actually for the cast, but I want to give it to the Grinch purely for what Jim Carrey had to go through for that performance. The the level of commitment it gave. I just don't think one like perfect yeah, like the, performance the outweighs like twenty daily. <laughs> superstars. Yeah, but twenty superstars all acting like rent is due. Yeah. It's so tough. It's a just... draw or love actually. The Grinch is not winning acting. Oh no, yeah. <sighs> I can maybe stomach a draw. I'll go draw. Okay. Um, so that means it's still 2 0 the Grinch. Cinematography was the only easy one. 3 0 the Grinch. Um, I think I can live with that. Yeah. I think I can live with that. Considering it's the other three points are all draws. Yeah. Like I, these are I, just edgy. Grinch is just edged slightly ahead yeah. in these three categories. It's like... and, and, and that could just be because it helped my heart grow three times. <laughs> um, that, I, I, I love that film so much. I. I I've I've already watched The Grinch this Christmas. Um, Love Actually is on my list to watch probably on like Sunday. Um, I, I cannot wait. Actually, out of interest, watched the animated Grinch to see what it was like. Uh, it's not, not it's terrible. Not gonna, it won't have that same villain. Doesn't have though, the same it? feel. But it was it was decent. It was like in a world with Jim Carrey's Grinch, I don't think I have any to watch a different one. I need to watch the Pop Grinch. Sin Love, actually. Uh, and then I will be doing my annual Christmas wrapping, watching Home Alone 1, 2, the, and 3. The Grinch, the Grinch is a proper um, hot chocolate and shortbread film. You just sit there with <laughs> a, 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 a mug of hot chocolate and some shortbread, and you're just like, yes, it's festive. Um, yeah. But that is it from us. Um, yes. You will not see us now until after Christmas. Hope you have a marvellous Christmas. Have a very Merry Christmas. Uh, And happy holidays to those who don't celebrate Christmas. Yes. Um, We will be back before the new year um, with our end of year wrap up special thing. Um, And then we will hit 2024 like it stole something from us. Um, Have a very good Christmas. Make sure you see family. And we will uh, catch you next week. We'll catch you in the next one.